Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Editor for Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with another episode of The Winkly. Uh, joined here as I am every Wednesday by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Good to be back, Nick. You know, it is finally, it's really starting to settle in, Justin, what what kind of a ride we're on for uh, come October. Ha- has, the, has the mood changed in your life? Is it setting in on you what we're about to get into here? I don't know if I'd say the moods change, but yes, I certainly can can feel the uh, it, it, the, the the trees and the wind are blowing as uh, as the storm is starting to approach. So here's what I'm gonna ask. So we'll have Raw on Mondays, we'll have AEW and NXT on Wednesdays, we'll have SmackDown on Fridays. Uh, are you gonna keep up? Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna be able to do this all every week? Well, I'm gonna miss Fridays live a lot. My Fridays are are, are heavily occupied already, so so I am gonna miss SmackDown live at least in these first couple of months more more nights than 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 I will you know to be able to see it live. Wednesday is gonna be fun. Wednesday is gonna be kind of a flashback as a kid growing up, you know, in the Monday Night Wars. I mean, that'll be fun, you know, flicking back and forth. Uh, you know, I know Raj just talked about it a little bit on air. We're trying to figure out on the wrestling ink standpoint from the post show standpoint how to how to go about things format wise, and uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'll be watching Monday. I'll be trying to catch everything Wednesday. Looking at maybe I'll have to do the whole, uh, you know, pull two devices together. Do you know? I don't know. I figure out how I'm gonna pull it off Wednesday night, and then yeah, Friday. Uh, you know, I'll be. It'll give me something to look forward to late Friday night or Saturday morning to 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 see the spectacle that is SmackDown on Fox. Yeah, we're gonna have to have teams, the NXT team, AEW team, covering simultaneously on top of each other. That's so awesome. I love this. You know, that's well, it's cool because yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, who, who, I mean, all of us who you know are in the age range we are now i know we've all talked about you know obviously the sophistication of covering pro wrestling and you know with podcasting and the websites and everything we all wonder what would have been like if we got to have this level of technology and communication back in 1997 you know what i mean so like this is exciting very exciting you know i had a wwe approved interview with titus o'neill last week times they are changing isn't that odd 
Yeah, I mean that they're, they're, they're we've kind of forced the, the company's hand. Not that I don't mean I don't mean just WB. I mean like just just the, the, all the companies in a sense. Yeah, the access is there, and uh, it's going to be a very exciting time, guys. I cannot be more uh, open about my excitedness that we've got here going into October. And speaking of a uh, speaking of access here, we do have some big interviews here today. Uh, first of all, a little company called MLW. They've been uh, taken over uh, recently as well. Well, the owner, the executive producer, the head writer, Court Bauer, he's going to be right here on the show today. Also, right after Court Bauer here after the news, you're going to hear from Danny Cage, the owner, uh, the head trainer at the Monster Factory in New Jersey. Danny also recently spent some time guest coaching down at the WWE Performance Center. So you're going to get some like behind-the-scenes looks at both MLW and uh, the WWE here today from both these guys' perspective. I could, I could be happier about it, Justin. This is so cool what's going on right now. Um, two good, two good wrestling minds. That's for sure. I put them together. You know, I like to have a little theme here today. It was minds, minds of wrestling here. Um, so, Court and Danny Cage uh, can't can't uh, can't stress it enough. Going to be a big, big, big couple weeks here for interviews. That's for sure. Uh, all right, let's get to it here. The news of the day. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Uh, let's talk the news coming out of SmackDown last night. Now, uh, yesterday when we were talking Raw, wasn't a whole lot of news coming out of Raw. On Monday night. But last night on SmackDown, man, we got a lot of news points and a lot of bullet points coming out of SmackDown. We'll start here with the big reveal at the end of the show. Daniel Bryan has revealed that a, a, a man that looks like Eric Rowan, he has a long red beard, he's bald, he's very huge. Um, apparently he is he's, he's Roman Reigns' attacker. At least that's what Daniel Bryan is claiming. SmackDown went off the air with these two men looking at each other, looking at Roman Reigns like they're out of some kind of Stephen King novel. Roman Reigns looks be- bewildered. Uh, here it looks a little scared what's going on justin um what was your uh take on the uh the finish of smackdown last night uh i'm definitely ready to tune in next week so i'll admit i did not watch smackdown live uh, i did watch it but i didn't watch it live and so <clears throat> before i went to go watch it live or, or excuse me before i went to go watch the the dvr version um i i had seen I tried to stay away from things but i had seen a headline or something i don't know if i think it was on wrestling probably or it was on social media of like you know who who it was when Daniel Bryan you know you know lifted the hood of, of the of the alleged attacker? So I was already now excited to watch this DVR. I was like, oh my god, what what what's what's happening here? Again, you know, we love the Who Done It, love the big reveals. You know, who who doesn't remember the whole? It's me, Austin. You know, Vince is under the cape and hood. Um, great job, cliffhanging all through the show. Keep you tuning in. Who is it? You see, all you can do is see this man's hands. He's fairly large. He's sitting in this chair. They're like, they got him quarantined and they lift the hood. And yeah, this, I, I remember, so I'm like, all right, so it's nobody that we know. It's not like it's some character we already know. This is obviously this is something new. You know, first of all, it is obviously they are, you know, trying to cover their tracks. It was Rowan and they were, I don't know. Like, I, I, but I, but I'm interested. I'm interested. I, I, I appreciate the, again, the attempt to keep stringing me along yeah, they made us tune in this week to find out who the attacker was. Well, we did apparently, allegedly find out who the attacker is, but it still makes no sense. We got to tune in next week. So I like this. I'm, I'm, they still have me. I'm, I'm interested to find out who this guy is. I had no, I don't even know what to make of this. This could either go very badly or very well. I was not like weaned one way or another. I guess maybe a little bit to see what they'll do next. What to me stuck out, uh, stuck out in all of this is like Roman's behavior towards the people involved, like. Buddy Murphy, he's constantly threatening Buddy Murphy, right? Like, you either tell – you lied, you tell the truth, I'm going to beat you up, right? Buddy Murphy, the object in Roman Reigns, uh, you know, little crosshairs there. Daniel Bryan, though, 
Roman seems to be willing to patiently give Daniel Bryan time to lay out what he feels he's found and what his resolutions are. I, it, it's it's jarring to me the way Roman treats Daniel Bryan in this situation. Calmly walk, calmly walks in the room. Okay, let's look at this thing. Here's the reveal. No idea what to make of this. Stands calmly there, taking it in. I don't know how Buddy. I don't know why Buddy Murphy is getting treated differently by Roman Reigns here than the Daniel Bryan. Well, it's because. If you, I mean, and that's that's a very valid argument, but but I think you know, I think maybe the perspective is supposed to be, you know, again, Roman saw Buddy on that footage. Roman knows for a fact that Buddy Murphy was there within the premises of at least of the first attack. But wait, so he's so wait. so he's more so wait no wait wait so he's okay. more hostile towards Buddy. Wait, and he he was very hostile towards Rowan, but now he's seeing somebody else that maybe it was that, that looks like Rowan, and Daniel Bryan has been nowhere around this. So like all all Daniel Bryan has been spoken of as Buddy Murphy, you know, and. And so, I mean, it's, 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 you know, so Daniel Bryan holds a little bit of a mental edge and leverage. He, he has the attacker. He's holding the attack. I mean, like, it, you know, Daniel Bryan hasn't been seen anywhere around this footage. I will say that the absolute uh, Lewis Carroll-esque insanity of Daniel Bryan at the moment is really just something to behold. He, him walking around, it gives me real, like, edge vibes when he was the world champion and he wouldn't shave and he was going crazy and things like that. I'm getting a lot of similar vibes there. Just uh, He, you know, um... There's something that you learned in a in the teach in Chicago improv that Del Close talked about how like the best characters on an improv stage or best character that, that people always have their eye drawn to is a, like a crazy homeless person that you don't know what he's going to do next um, because there's, yeah, but, there's an element of fear and unpredictability there. Brian is exuding that sure, at the moment. You know? but, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not we're not talking. I mean, obviously this is scripted television. We're not talking about murder. But Brian with the crazy man look, it's kind of it's kind of that Manson manipulation. Brian hasn't actually maybe dr- driven any car or actually pushed any the scaffolding over but if he's the manipulator behind it you know it's all the more dangerous that he's able to mentally control these people daniel bryan the charles manson of smackdown that's exactly what fox wants i'm sure going into their friday nights you know <laughs> and we talk you know real quickly not to get d- divert too far off but i talked about yesterday on the show a little bit how i wonder if there's gonna be fatigue for people on friday night where they you know want to turn in tune into a fourth show here or go about their weekends hearing you say well i have plans right now on friday night do you think this will be a, do you think they're fighting an uphill battle now to maintain momentum here for SmackDowns on Friday night with so much going on earlier in the week? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, uh, I think, again, you, you know, the people in the again, people that, you know, like you and me to an extent, you know, you know, we're going to consume as much of it because part of it is we need to to stay on top of it to talk about it and write about it. You know, but I think, you know, some people are just going to choose what they want to choose. Some people are going to still say, you know what, um, you know, I, I'm used to watching NXT on the network whenever I get time on the weekend. And so that's what they might do. Um, you know, me, you know, again, I, with other work things I have going on, my Friday nights are going to be occupied for a lot of time. So I just, you know, it is what it is, but I, I think it, it's all going to be a matter of how captivating each of these shows going to be. If, 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 if Monday Night Raw is at its best and NXT is at its best and AEW is at its best and SmackDown is at its best, it, I mean, you might force people saying, you know what, I'm, I, I got to catch all this stuff as soon as possible. I mean, but that's, I mean, and if that happens, what a great victory for everybody. Uh, we will see though. We will see if NXT is at its best or if all of a sudden NXT doesn't look as shiny as it once did because whether it's because it's directly opposed by a, a shinier AEW or whether it's because Vince comes in and, and takes some of the NXT charm away from it. You know, all these are incredible variables. That's what, that's what makes this so exciting. Uh, well, talk about another incredible uh, variable that has popped out of nowhere here. Buddy Murphy picked up a victory over Daniel Bryan last night on SmackDown. Really been getting a great push here of late. You know, obviously went uh, the distance with Roman only to come up short. Uh, the week before, uh, embroiled in a storyline now that's allowing him to show some character. The fans 
seem to really start start they seem to be starting to get behind Buddy Murphy here. Um, where do you think where do you think this goes with Buddy? I think ultimately yeah, he's on the baby baby face side of the fence. If he's not already, then by the time this is all said and done, I mean the you know we talked about it last week that that um, the, the, the tremendous showing against Roman Reigns just coming up short uh, and Roman you know praising him on social media you know take, getting a little bit out of character, but um, you know and of course Buddy you know being beaten around and pushed around when you know in fact he probably had nothing to do with all of this uh, Roman Reigns attack stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and then, you know, against Dan O'Brien, who was obviously the full-fledged Charles Manson heel, as we've discussed here. Um, yeah, it made perfect sense. I mean, Brian gave it to him and gave it to him and gave it to him, and Buddy just kept kicking out. He would not give up. And then finally, you know, Buddy just found that last surge of life and, and, and was able to, you know, find the three-second victory. So uh, this is great. I mean, this is that's what I like. I mean, I you know, we'll see how this all finishes, but I love, you know, I've talked about it. I love the whodunit factor. I love the hookiness week to week, and I love the fact that this is not just a straight, um, you know, two – two talent involvement story. I love the fact this is, you know, the root of it is Roman Reigns and then what we think is the manipulation of Dana Bryan, but then there's Dana Bryan's accomplice and Eric Rowan. And then it's bringing somebody completely random into the fold, even though if it might've been by accident and Buddy Murphy and and shining him. And now there's this new red bearded guy, whether he's a wrestler, whether he's an actor that they've just hired for this bit role, we'll find out. So I love the fact there's just so many layers to this. And that is the kind of depth of storytelling that, is going to help keep hooking people. And that's going to help stand out when you have more competition. You know, for my money right now, Daniel Bryan is one of the most valuable commodities that WWE has because literally everything this guy touches right now, everybody he works with is coming out stronger on the other side. Rowan, Ali, Buddy Murphy, Kofi Kingston. I would say even Roman Reigns right now is probably more interesting than storyline wise than he has been in, in some time. I mean, this guy is hitting home run after home run after home run right now. Uh, every light bulb possible has gone off over his head. I, I'm just so on the hook to see what Daniel Bryan does next. Everything he does is some of the most compelling stuff in WWE at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, last night we also got uh, our first world championship match set for Clash of Champions officially. Uh, Charlotte challenged Bailey uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey accepted it and knocked Charlotte off her chair. Renegade. Uh, this will be this will be good. All four horsewomen uh, looks to be like they'll be in the uh, the women's title matches at Clash of Champions. Interesting, just a little moment in time here with this. It is, um, you know, Charlotte. More often than not, when she is challenging for a world title, women's world title, she wins it. Just look at the number of reigns she has and the time she does. This would be um, this would be a huge moment if you know, because I kind of think you know, obviously, usually it's the champion's advantage. You know, you don't have to. Uh, you have to you have to beat the champion. Champion doesn't have to champion doesn't have to be used. Bobby Heenan would always say. Um, so I think going into this, you kind of look at maybe Charlotte as the favorite, and Bailey, you know, is gonna is gonna drop it. Uh, but if she if Bailey can get a, an actual win here, I think that would go a long way to. I mean, Bailey's it was it was big when she won the title. You know, she ran into the crowd, and you know, a good moment there. But beyond that, it's been kind of same old, same old. You know, smiley, huggable Bailey, but it just doesn't. You know, it, it still feels overshadowed by, you know, what Sasha and what Becky uh, or even Lacey Evans to an extent when she was on TV uh, before her absence. So, you know, this could be a big moment for Bailey to get um, a big victory. And wait, isn't it isn't Clash? Is it in the Carolinas? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, I can look it so, up. Right now, so. so you're in so you're in flair country. So a huge. So, you know, if Bailey can get a win. That could be huge uh, for her. Clash of Champions 2019. It'll pop right up here for me. I feel like it's in Charlotte. Uh, it is in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's in Charlotte. Right. Yes, it would seem that go. Charlotte would. But uh, you know, 
Vince likes to have people lose in their hometowns too. So, uh, but yeah, coming off the big win over Trish does feel like her moment here. Do you think both titles switch? Then, do you think Charlotte beats uh, possibly beats Bailey? We we see Sasha go over on Becky here to kickstart her her new run with WWE. Both are very possible. I'm not ready to make those predictions yet. I want to see how how it plays out as we get closer. Uh, we got some updates here in the King of the Ring tournament. Man, I'm really enjoying the King of the Ring tournament, making these matches feel important, You know, really giving some guys a chance to show some personality. Uh, Andrade defeated Apollo, Tr- Apollo Crews. He's going to go on to the King of the Ring tournament to the uh, next round. Elias picked up a surprise victory here over Kevin Owens in the opening round. Of course, Shane McMahon got involved. He, he was the, became a referee. Um, you know, and he had given Owens that lecture earlier in the night about how he couldn't put his hands on referees anymore. So anyway, uh, by hook or by crook, Elias here picked up the victory in the opening round of the King of the Ring. Uh, I was very surprised by that, less surprised by Andrade. What'd you think of these King of the Ring bouts? Both entertaining. Um, not really. Su- well, I mean, I, I, I did think that Owens was, you know, I did think Owens was definitely in the top four or five of a, of a pick out of the entire field to go deep. But obviously, you know, seeing Shane cost him, not a surprise. It makes me wonder, Jesus, what, I mean, what else is Owens and Shane going to do? I mean, like, what are we looking toward the death match with barbed wire? Like, where, where are we going here? Um, do you have the bracket in front of you? So who, who does Elias and Andrade, who would they face next? Who do you have it in front of you by chance? I can I don't. find it. I can find it. King of the ring. But, bracket. Yeah. Good for Elias though. And, and, and obviously smart. They suspended the 24 seven thing because that would have been if, if, because obviously there's, there's no logical way that Elias should still hold on to the 24 seven okay. title. If the rules are still open okay. and he's also distracted in a King of the ring match. So it was good writing to suspend it for a night. It also just, further heals Shane McMahon, who's, you know, throwing his power around for buddies of his. Okay, well, you know what? WWE has an up-to-date bracket here, easily accessible, so kudos to them, first of all. Um, Kevin Owens uh, lost to Elias, so Elias will take on the winner of Ali versus Buddy Murphy, and uh, I know, tough call, tough call. Um, I can. See I think. That. I think. I think. Whether no, no, no matter whether it's Ali or Buddy Murphy, those two guys are so hot coming up. I think they'll be. I think that'll be where the twenty four seven rule somehow comes and collapses Elias. Oh man! See, and that thing about the Ali Buddy Murphy match that kills me is these are both guys that got that rub from Daniel Bryan with a big victory over him. This is this is a very. I, I could see it going either way. Honestly, uh, I'm sure the match will be. Well, incredible. I could see. I could see Ali winning because Daniel Bryan comes back and costs Buddy Murphy. Okay, great. Yeah, and these two have worked like a ton on dark matches and 205 Live, Ali and Buddy Murphy has. I think this is going to be probably the best opening round match of, of the entire King of the Ring. Yeah, I'll go Ali versus Elias then. Okay. Uh, and then Andrade will take on the winner of Chad Gable versus Shelton Benjamin. And uh, I don't have no idea what's going on with Shelton Benjamin. He did that little joke on Chad that you can't, you got to be this tall to be in King of the Ring. I got to think that it's going to be Chad Gable versus Andrade. Yeah, well, no matter who it is, it's going to be Andrade. It's going to walk out of that one. Okay. Um... So what are you thinking then? Do you think it's going to be Andrade? So I, I guess I guess so. I guess we're I guess we end up with Andrade versus Ali. That that, that yeah. I mean that's a good bout. You on know? that's on that side of the bracket, yeah. King Andrade or King Ali? Uh, do you want to go on the raw side too here, real quick? Do you want to take a look at those? Sure. Let's do some bracketology. Okay. So Samoa Joe here, he would take on the winner of Ricochet or Drew McIntyre. So I got to think Ricochet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kept saying the winner of Ricochet and Drew probably wins the whole thing. That was really kind of what I've settled on. But, yeah, it would be weird having Drew versus Joe. But then again, Joe's been kind of... Hmm. Well, here's here's what I'll lay out. You go, if you, I, think it, I, I would think it would be Ricochet. And then on the other side, Cedric Alexander will take on the winner of Miz Corbin, which I would think would be Baron Corbin, right? Um, and yeah. then Corbin rolls through Cedric, which sets up Ricochet Corbin on one side, Andrade Ali on the other. And... Uh, 
Uh, I would think you get what Corbin uh, or Ricochet Andrade. Ricochet Andrade actually sounds like a pretty pretty fine final bout. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess maybe Ricochet does have to beat Drew. Otherwise, it's gonna be a little lopsided. Yeah, it would be a little odd there because I don't see Cedric is a is a viable. I don't. I mean, Cedric versus Corbin. I know they're getting behind Cedric right now, but they're they're definitely gonna be trying to reheat Corbin up a little bit in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I'll. I guess I'll pick Ricochet over Drew. Oh, man, see, and then, and then Ricochet Ricochet wins the whole thing, maybe. Like an ice cube. Even even though, even though King of the Ring goes better for heel, and it would go really well with Andrade, especially with Andrade having. Uh, Zelina right there by the side. Um, King Ricochet, though. I mean, it, yeah. you know, wasn't he King Ricochet on, before coming to WWE? He was Prince Puma. Oh, Prince Puma. But but King Ricochet, I think, is his Twitter handle. Actually. Yeah, I was about to say, he has the, he's used the moniker King Ricochet. So, yeah. uh, food there for that. Uh, all right, lastly, coming out of SmackDown here last night, Sami Zayn now working as Shinsuke Nakamura's mouthpiece. Uh, they helped to lay out The Miz. Um, this is a really unique pairing. Uh, I like it a lot. Like what a couple of weirdos, like the weirdo table in high school. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was watching this and we were talking about, you know, um, where do you go with uh, buddy Murphy, uh, from here, buddy Murphy being the guy to, to take down Shinsuke ultimately with this icy title. That seems like a good logical next step for him. I have no idea where this Miz stuff is going, but that just kind of hit me when we were uh, talking about buddy earlier. Yeah, I could, I, I could, I could buy into that. Um, yeah, you know, I, Oshinsuke and Sammy are kind of two guys who uh, have talent in their own regard, and but just you know, nothing's really truly resonate. I mean, you know, Sammy had some. Sammy was heating up with kind of speaking through, you know, bashing the fans and kind of almost seemed like he was speaking through Vince in a way. Um, you know, obviously Nakamura's had some mid card title reigns, but nothing's really just you know, nothing. No, no magic has really been captured consistently with him. So, you know, Sammy being the mouthpiece, you know, I, I don't, you know, it, it, it you know, wouldn't be using Sammy's talents bell to bell, but I don't mind him as a mouthpiece. Uh, and Shinsuke, again, refusing just to, to speak English. And, and, you know, I like what Sammy said about, you know, Shinsuke is an artist, you know, imagine him having to not be able to wax poetically in his own language. And yeah. so I liked all that. Um, you know, the Miz is obviously a credible veteran at this point. So if uh, Shinsuke and Sammy take down the Miz, um, you know, that, that would, again, just give them some momentum. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. Uh, I'm fine with this. Well, also in the world of Sami Zayn, uh, following his loss to Cedric Alexander as part of the King of the Ring tournament, uh, WWE.com released an exclusive where Sami like freaked out on the crowd. Did you get? A, did you see this video? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I didn't see it, but I, 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 yeah, I heard he said, you know, I'm better than this. Enough is enough. It's time for a change. No, no, that was the tweet. So yeah, I thought oh, no? I actually watched the video. The video is different than that tweet. The tweet came after the video. So. I would encourage. I mean, I would encourage you to go watch it. It's only two minutes long, but it's this okay. WWE.com exclusive where like there's some fan yelling at him, and Sammy like almost hops the barricade. He like puts one leg over, like he's gonna go fight the fan, and like ref pulls him off. And there's like all kinds of beeping, and I can't tell if Sammy's hurling profanities at this guy or if this guy's just cursing him out. And then like Sammy goes over and he gets this steel chair, and he does. Uh, uh, he does the Eddie. No, yeah. Eddie was the one who freaked out and like smashed the chair against the, the ring on on Nitro, right? Or no, it was Jericho. I think so. It was no, Jericho. It was Jericho. Yeah, it was Jericho. Yeah, Eddie threw coffee on himself and left. That's right. Jericho freaked out with the chair. He did the full on Jericho Nitro freak out here with the chair. He's just smashing it against the ring pole and like very very intense. And again, more prevented, more bleeps. There's bleeps throughout the whole thing. Uh, it's just very very intense. This freak out that Sami Zayn had after this loss here. Um, then he went on Twitter and he tweeted out, I'm one of the best pro wrestlers on earth and I have been reduced to this. This is where I am now. Enough is enough time for change, which is, you know, channeling Kevin Owens here. So, uh, just a little bit more there from Sami Zayn. It's, you know, man, what a, 
What an interesting character. Ever since he dropped AEW in that electric chair, he has just been all over the place booking wise. You know what I mean? I like it. Chaos, uh, chaos is, is 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 interesting. I wonder if there was a like a Chris Jericho level of frustration there from Sammy, which is why he recreated that spot. Food for thought. I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure there's some I'm sure there's some uh, art imitating life there. Him and Shinsuke should be the AV club. You know how how adorable would that be, right? And they're always making little videos to show off how <laughs> they feel. Anyway, uh, Moro Ronaldo has confirmed that he, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix are going to be the commentators for NXT when they move to USA. Great. Nigel McGuinness is uh, one of my favorite. Moro's great. Beth is great. But I really like Nigel McGuinness as a commentator. Happy to see him going to be uh, being carried over to uh, NXT on USA. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the Observer also reporting that there is talk of the weekly SmackDown TV tapings lasting three hours, which they already do. But apparently now, what that third hour will be could be up for grabs. Now, there's talks that 205 Live could be dropped because some view it as a failed experiment. Maybe they could do another show that airs on FS1, maybe like main event on FS1 uh, or the WWE Network. Uh, and this, uh, you know, it could also be, just throwing things out there, this is least, the least likely. You know, maybe they do an hour where they do some live action, and then they cut back and forth between that and the in-studio show they do hosted by Renee, which would air on FS1. Uh, so we'll kind of take these blow by blow here. Here, uh, two hundred five live failed experiment. Agree, disagree, or do you think they should go on with two hundred five live? I think it's picked up. I think it's. I, I think they found a happy place. I, my thought. I, I don't know if I would completely do away with it because if you're getting, you know, with NXT now moving to be on uh, on on television as well, um, you know, having two hundred five live that is a WWE network only property, and you have these talents. I mean, you know, they went on a surge. You know, what was it two years ago to grab up the amount of talent they did uh, to, to fill out this 205, like, you know, guys that some guys that, you know, we don't, we just don't ever see, you know, we see sporadically. So I don't know if I'd do away with it. Um, you know, I, I, I would just keep, I would keep going so you can, so you can populate new in-ring action uh, for, uh, for the network. See, I, I, I agree with you on the fact that it's picked up and it has become better, but I, I am of the camp and I don't want to say failed experiment here, but I, I do think that maybe dropping 205 live would not be a terrible idea. I think the idea of a 205 pound late weight limit kind of limits the show in a way, you know, it like doesn't even like live up to the name anymore. Uh, I also, think- I agree. I agree with that. I, I was never a fan of the, you know, I, I was never a fan of classifying weight. Like they, they could have just gone with cruiserweight or lightweight. They didn't need to specify because, you know, because look, we all made the obvious, like, okay, Finn Balor, he's not 205, but he's fighting for world titles. And, you know, it, 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 it brought too much realism into a world that plays on its own make, you know, made up entertainment rules. So I agree. I never liked the 205 portion of the branding. Yeah. But I am fine. I am fine with a cruiserweight slash lightweight division. Just let it be flexible. So yeah, if Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy graduate out of that, that classification and they, they fit, you know, on Raw and SmackDown, let it be. I don't think we need it to be as, as, as precise as weight classes here. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's like, that's like my first thing. I, I, the name itself, I think is a little dated. I think that there's also something to be said about how you say graduated. Right. But I think that the, these guys that have been in there, they're, they're proving themselves left and right. Every time they step up to the plate and are being given opportunities right now, they're, they're doing great. You know, Cedric Ali, Buddy Murphy, I think there's a couple other guys there that if this brand was to kind of, you know, get jumbled up or morph into something else and they were given a chance on the main roster, I think they would flourish, quite honestly. Um, But uh, also with that third hour there, I don't think that the idea of, you know, uh, some kind of live back to the in-studio thing, like a post-show, like a a talking smack type deal with Renee on FS1 where you also maybe get a bonus match or two. I don't hate that idea. I think that'd be a great way to use some of these 205 Live guys. But, I, you know, even if it's not that, 
you know, they have the main event brand. You know, there's so much with, you know, you can play back to with the WWE main events back in the day. You know, I think that would be a strong brand you could bring to FS1. Or, you know what, even this, I would even I would even float the idea of doing a one-hour uh, NXT UK type show as well. If you're going to do NXT on, on Wednesday nights, maybe carry a little bit of that momentum over to a Friday night product and give that show a little bit of a rub as well. Yeah, maybe. I, with main event, I, with main event, I don't know. I think... Um... I think I think they have international TV deals for main event. I feel like main events still aired internationally in certain markets. So I don't know what their obligations still are there. Okay, well there you go, inside baseball. But anyway, a lot you could do there with that third hour. I'm just throwing it out. I don't I don't know that calling 205 live a failed experiment is maybe the best way to phrase it. I think a lot was learned here. I don't particularly love the name. I think the talent would flourish in other parts of the and uh, other brands. And I think there's something more creative that's less pigeonholy you can do with that third hour is this is that's the only case i'm making you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. uh so in response to nxt and AEW moving to wednesday nights uh beyond wrestling has tweeted out the following first of all beyond wrestling they currently build themselves as the independent wrestling's most watched youtube channel they're based out of worcester massachusetts are you familiar with beyond wrestling justin i've heard of them but i but yeah when 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 the story started coming up i i was like really they're the most that's their that's their they're the most watched on YouTube. I guess. Um, I, I mean, you know, and they also they do their Uncharted Territory series on ind- independentwrestling.tv, which is actually a you know, pretty good show. It's got a lot of big names. Orange Cassidy's been on there. Joey Janela's been on there. Uh, I'm looking. They do. I mean, their YouTube channel does have 1.6 million followers, subscribers. That is that's that's proud for an indie company. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Beyond Wrestling is a, is a top tier independent promotion. And so. Uh, they tweeted out it's got nothing to do uh, in regards to NXT and AEW moving to Wednesday nights. They say it's got nothing to do with what the fans want, nothing to do with what's best for the wrestlers, and nothing to do with the quality of the programming. To which a fan responded, are you going to cry about it? Which Beyond responded, no, I'm going to work to run a better weekly wrestling show, even if we play to a smaller audience, because at the end of the day, everything, everything going to cable TV on Wednesday nights has my fingerprints on it. Uncharted Territory Season 2 starts on Thursday, October 3rd, and we're introducing a new live weekly program-based on Discovery Gauntlet on Tuesday, October 1st, both exclusively streaming on independentwrestling.tv and announcements forthcoming. So beyond wrestling, get in the mix here. I don't know how much truth there is to this, but at least get in on it, you know? Get some of that. Get some of that buzz going all around you right now in this time. Well, yeah, they organically just bought themselves some time here on the Winkley, so I guess good for them, right? Well, and you know, they're they're debuting their show on a Thursday night. Everybody will have watched Wednesday and Monday. They're going to do Thursdays on independentwrestling.tv. You know, is is I don't know. You know, the, these are all t- cable television shows. I wonder how many other indie promotions start getting their own weekly live hour, two hour long show going on these platforms like Independent Wrestling TV, PowerSlam.tv, uh, BodySlam.tv, Fight.tv. You know, there's a lot of platforms right now, and the equipment is getting cheaper by the year to run this kind of stuff. I wonder how many other independent promotions we see step up to that level, which is something, again, 20 years ago when we were watching the Monday Night Wars, that, that kind of stuff would have been like, you know, un- unbelievable. Wouldn't have been possible, you know? Yeah, I know. We thought it was miraculous that a group from Philly in a bingo hall was was getting pay-per-view time. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, Jesus, it's, it's almost like reality wrestling has taken over the world. Yeah. Uh, well, here's a dose of reality. Ronda Rousey nearly lost her finger on the set of 911 yesterday. Uh, the way she describes it, a boat door fell on her finger while filming. She didn't even realize how bad it was. She finished filming the scene and then afterwards uh, looked down and this, like, did, I'm, how can you have missed it? You've seen the photo on social media? Oh, yes. Disgusting. It's a disgusting photo of Ronda Rousey's finger, like, hanging off 
I almost heaved in my mouth. Uh, scary, man. Her whole business is in her hands. Uh, that's not something you want to happen. No, I mean, yeah, but that's, you know, that's, you know, people wonder why, you know, the, you know, wonder why the, the studios won't let The Rock, uh, you know, rest and this and that. It's, it's you know, because when you get these, when you get these, uh, when you get these uh, potential injuries, I mean, you know, but it goes both ways, both in, in both on the set and in the ring. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty disgusting. Another big story coming out of the news in the past twenty four hour: Rusev has shaved. He's clean shaven now. Uh, of course, back in June, it was reported by the Wrestling Observer that Rusev's WWE contract is expiring soon. He hasn't been sent on TV since uh, whatever the last Saudi show was, and then uh, Lano, I guess, was part of the the SmackDown shakeup. But these two off TV. Uh, what's your what's your vibe say? What do you think is going to happen here with Rusev? Uh, I, I feel like I feel like unfortunately it's probably not long for the WWE world. Um, uh, which is, I mean, I, I look, I've 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 always thought uh, really highly of him and of uh, of Lana. Um, you know, he he's big guy that's mobile, got a lot of talent, got a lot of personality. I mean, at first you didn't know that when he came in because he was strapped with the traditional foreign man kind of heel gimmick, but I mean, he's got a ton of personality. She's got a lot of just natural charisma, and she has some mainstream appeal and some mainstream uh, uh, credentials. Um, you know, again, it's been this long at WWE, and they are where they are. I kind of think that that's where they are, and um, you know, I, I think whenever they are done with WWE, that the that the the world is theirs for the taking. Whether that whether that you know, take your pick of any of the companies we talked about, take your pick of uh, outside projects. Uh, but I think they got a lot of potential, and I, I hope to see it come you know, to, to fruition somewhere in some play. That's an act I would love to see on another platform, Rusev and Lana, you know, AEW obviously, uh, you know, would be the, the, the big one in the room, but there's other platforms. I'd be really interested to see how they do outside of that environment. Since it does sound like Rusev has not been happy for a while there. Uh, and speaking of AEW here, AEW has announced their, fo- uh, announced the following for their fourth AEW on TNT show. So there, this is four weeks out now. And of course this one's going down in your backyard of Pittsburgh, Justin, John Moxley is going to be in action. And they're also going to have the semifinals of the AEW Tag Title Tournament. What do you think about them laying out so many announcements for cities so far in advance here as they get the ball rolling? Smart. I mean, smart. I mean, you, I mean, you got to let people know you want to build up the hype and it's anticipation. I mean, up to the. I mean, you know, you got to think prior to prior to the TV deal being released. I mean, you know, it was only you know you were in Chicago, where you're in Vegas or Daytona. So I mean, obviously, the many cities are clamoring for the chance to to get to experience this. This the the new kid in town that is the most popular kid right now on the block. Um, so smart that they announce these cities. They they're they're picking the, the venue. The, the cities are picking makes sense, but they're but they're being smart about the venues. Uh, obviously, they're going big for DC. It's a big arena where the Capitals play the Capital One Arena, and it's it's five tiers and it's it's a monster one. But obviously, for first TV, you know you can you can figure that. You know they're going to Philly and Boston and to Pittsburgh, but they're not running the the big the biggest arenas in each of those markets. They're not running the arena where the Flyers and, and 76ers play in Philly. They're not running where the Celtics and um, and Bruins play in Boston. They're not running where the Penguins play. You know they're going the next step down. Still arenas that are very respectable, but a little bit cheaper. After the production gets in there, you're probably looking at like. You know, six thousand, seven thousand. So, an easier number to hit to sell. To say you sold out, but still, it's going to look good on TV. You still say you sold out, and again, and, and, you're, and you're creating demand. You know, rather, you know, let's let's sell six thousand, seven thousand, and leave some people, you know, out in the cold who are definitely going to be looking to buy next time, uh, rather than trying to run, you know, a place that's twelve thousand, and and you got some you got some seats you're tarping off. You know, which obviously WWE gets hammered for on social media with oh look at the amount of seats tarped off so uh, they're again you know and, and again this is me this is I'm, I'm more of a wwe guy 
I'm excited for AEW, but I, I'm a huge WWE fan. I'm a huge WWE guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, but AEW, they're just not doing anything wrong right now. My guest at this time is the founder and CEO of MLW. It is Court Bauer. Court, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me again today. Good to talk to you again, Nick. Now, uh, you caught me in my periphery uh, in the last 48 hours because you guys had some pretty big, cool news coming out of MLW, and that is that you have partnered with NOAA, a renowned Japanese wrestling promotion. How did this partnership come together? Well, it's been something we've been talking about with them for probably better pa- better part of five months, I guess. And uh, we finally were able to close a deal uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, we're really happy. I think it's a great opportunity for, for fans that love Noah and for MLW fans. We're going to have a lot of fresh matchups. Uh, the talent swap is going to be pretty cool, and uh, we're going to have some fun collaborating. Yeah, and does this mean that we're going to see MLW talent travel to Japan and, and talent from NOAA come over here to the States to do MLW shows, kind of like the relationship between ROH and New Japan? 100%. Uh, we're sending Alex Hammerstone, our national champ, over there for their N1 Victory Tournament uh, that kicks off in mid-August, and he'll be there for about a month. And uh, we're working right now on coordinating uh, some talent coming this way, and I expect the first uh, first wrestler to come from NOAA this fall and then we'll we'll see an escalation on both sides thereafter now which which noah talents do you have your eye on or is there anybody in particular you'd like to see over in the mlw mix right now i i have such a long list and the fun too is we just fired up twitter and asked the question who do you want to see which is always fun uh free market research and uh, my list was very similar to a lot of the fans and what they're looking for so uh, I, I think there's some the obvious guys, you know, Shizaki and, and Marifuji, uh, some of their younger guys, the GHC champ. Uh, there's just a lot of great talent. They've been developing a lot of guys and uh, they have a new ownership over there. They have a new matchmaker over there. So uh, they're embarking on a new era. They, they, there's no more green ring. It's a white ring. Uh, and a new logo. And so this is one of the new chapters uh, under the new leadership there. So we're excited to be part of that with them. You know, you brought up Alexander Hammerstone and how he's heading over mm-hmm. to Japan here. Talk to me a little bit about Hammerstone. He's somebody that's really, you know, caught my eye here in the past several right. months. You guys have really put a rocket on this guy. You gave him the inaugural MLW National Openweight Championship. Uh, what is it about Hammerstone uh, that you that you like so much here? Well, obviously you look at him. I mean, he, <laughs> he just really has the it factor. Uh, you know, he will turn heads in an airport or anywhere. He just ha- he looks like a top level guy. And the great thing is he backs it up in the ring on the mic. He has an incredible aptitude. If you tell him something once, he'll go out there and execute it. Uh, he has really thrived since coming on and uh, joined us in February. And it was a great get. And uh, we were really happy just to see how he's developed over the last several months in our system. And uh, he's a guy that was kind of just out there in California. And, and working in Phoenix. And uh, we, we play Moneyball in MLW, and we find undervalued, undiscovered talent. And he checked off so many boxes, and then we put him in play in Philadelphia, and we were blown away. And he has exceeded all expectations, so he, he really is a, a real franchise player for us. Now, I, I know it's, uh, you know, you don't just add belts, right? You don't want to have too many belts or anything like that. Why, right. the, why the decision to, uh, to add the National Openweight Championship to MLW? It just added a different dimension uh, compared to the middleweight title, compared to the heavyweight title. It was kind of a – it's a secondary title. It's a stepping stone title, uh, and it's the only title without a weight class, so we can have a lot of funky, fun matchups. 
Uh, I, I am a big believer in having a title that is kind of a credibility boost for talent. It's a milestone marker for them. So as you see them climb the ladder in that logical trajectory of a, of a guy that's on his way up, you know, he's starting to, you know, pad his resume for bigger and badder things. So uh, I, to your point, yeah, I do not like having too many tiles. This is about where we're going to be at. And uh, I don't anticipate adding any more singles titles for the foreseeable future until, you know, you have like insane amount of depth and you need to, but I, I'm not even a fan of it then. Uh, I think the tiles get diluted if you do that. So I, I will try to avoid that. Well, you know, I, I understand your point here. The only title I could think of, and I, I know I've gotten questions from others about with MLW is, you know, do you have interest in a women's title? You know, what, what does the women's division future look like for MLW? We do. And we're, we're kind of like putting together our list and just trying to find a few key things you want for women's divisions. First of all, someone that you can build it around. Uh, second is, you know, enough depth and the right type of depth uh, and you want it to be, if you're going to do it, you want to do it right. Uh, we kind of did our test run in 2018. And so we wanted it, to, we wanted to perfect it before we rolled it out and with a championship. And that's kind of where we're at right now. It's, it's, it's on the board. It's probably more of a 2020 thing than a 2019 thing. Uh, we wanted in 2018 and into 2019 to lock up and contract all of our talent. And, and then from there, uh, even further enhance the talent and get more technical wrestlers, better brawlers. And that's kind of like kind of fine tuning it, tighten the bolts. That's what 2019 was and, and is. And now we're ready now to focus on the women's division. I do not, did not want to half-ass it. I wanted to go and do it right. Or all of a sudden day one lineage kind of looks a little funky. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to rock right out of the gates. Yeah, well, one of the talents you have been uh, kind of splitting with another promotion up until now uh, over at New Japan Pro Wrestling was Davey Boy Smith Jr. What do you think of Davey's decision to leave New Japan and, I guess, decidedly become uh, an MLW talent? Yeah, I haven't really talked too much to Davey Boy about it. Uh, you know, he's been pretty wide open and, and, and an open book about what happened, I guess, and his frustrations over there. And, uh, you know, I was, I was – surprised to kind of see Davy boy in a position where, you know, he wasn't used uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, at the garden in a, in a role of, of, of consequence. Um, you know, that's, I, I'm not privy to the details of what, and what the nature of the relationship was, but he, uh, he's a stud. I, I've known Davy boy. He's first wrestled in the MLW when he was 18. He was studying for his midterms in high school, along with TJ Wilson, Tyson kid as the Stampede Bulldogs and worked with him a bit at WWE where then it was like, they, he would just, they weren't using him at the time. He would be at every TV taping, just being a part of, uh, maybe immersed in the system, trying to learn it. Uh, but they weren't using him. And I would ask why I never really got a straight answer at the time. And it, I've always kind of seen everyone just undervalue, underutilize him. And I just, it, it always baffled me. And I, I I'm not going to be critical of another group. I just, I didn't get it. Uh, to me, it's so easy to use a guy like that. He's been, I mean, like it's, it's, you can, you can book Davy boy in your sleep. He's very easy. And he had a great match with Tim Thatcher. That's yeah. going to air this Saturday night on fusion hands down the best technical match in the history of major league wrestling. I'm not saying that as a promoter, like I was watching it uh, and I've seen so many matches over 22 years. You kind of just at a certain point, you're just like, okay, cool. Next, cool. Next. I was into that match. Tony Schiavone and Rich Bokini just did the voiceovers for it yesterday here in New York. And I'm watching it and I'm like, man, I am glued watching this match. I'm just glued to the screen and it is a, it is a sweet science of technical wrestling at its best.
That's really cool. I'm a big fan of Tim and Davey's both. I can't I can't wait to see that. Awesome you know, match. Yeah. And, and and with Davey here, you know, he's been so synonymous with tag team wrestling, you know, pretty much his whole career. I mean, he's held tag team gold everywhere, including MLW, right? You know, right. Are, yeah. are are you looking to explore what Davey Boy Jr. looks like as a single star going forward? Uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, I think he's got, uh, he's kind of straddling both the tag team division, the heavyweight division. And, uh, there's been a lot of overtures over the last few weeks, months to do more in the heavyweight division from fans, from Davey boy. I'd want to see it. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting matches on the horizon. Tim Thatcher. I think that could be a, a series of matches. Just, I could watch them forever. And I, mean, I think they're instant rivals and, and I'm looking forward to having Thatcher, uh, back in MLW. We're going to have more of that soon. Uh, and, and for Davy Boy, there's matches in the singles division, whether it's with a guy like Tom Lawler, or, uh, Jacob Fatu. I mean, there's a lot of interesting matchups. Yeah, you you guys uh, do have a new champion there in Jacob Fatu. I was there in Chicago. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was it was crazy to me, Court, because the last time you guys were in Chicago, not this, not the most recent show, but the show before that, right. I watched Fatu and Contra basically start a riot and really piss off the Chicago fans. This <laughs> time around. He picks up the win over Lawler, and the place goes nuts. You as a promoter, what goes through your head when you hear one of your biggest, baddest heels get a reaction like that for for a victory? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I think the fans today are so sophisticated, and they just see this guy, this freak, uh, just go out there, just breaking gravity with this insane amount of agility, athleticism. It's in that moment when the bell rings and you're seeing him in that kind of match, which was a real clinic and he just looked amazing in the showcase match for him. Uh, you're looking at that different and the experience is different than a squash where you're just getting pure heat. Uh, this guy was just dominant and kind of like an old school big band Vader kind of template for a match. Uh, where today I think a guy like big band Vader, if you looked at 93 Vader, 92 Vader would have been a massive beast. I mean, it's the template for Brock Lesnar basically. Yeah, 100%, you know, and, uh, you know, we were talking about Davey, uh, I want to get back to him real quick here, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got him, you got Teddy Hart, Austin Aries, you guys are so good at taking these personalities that have historically been a little bit more difficult to work with, but you, you've you worked with them so well, what is it about you and MLW that you makes, you find it easier to work with these talents that, that people have, you know, allegedly had issues with elsewhere? Yeah, I, you know, everyone has different experiences and different systems. I did when I've been at different places, whether it was WWE or Ring of Honor or AAA or Lucha Underground, I had different experiences. And it's like sometimes you just some places it clicks and some places it doesn't. I, I don't know if I have a, a science to what I'm doing, but uh, for a lot of these guys, I've known them for years. You know, Teddy Hart, God, I've known him for 16 years. So Davey Boy, I've known him since he was basically a kid. Same with Teddy. So it's maybe just the longstanding relationships. You can understand them a little bit more than others. Um, but for whatever reason, it's it's really meshed here. And uh, you know, it maybe it's like the old Raiders or something like that. You just you get the right squad, and it just it just gels. Uh, and you know, they they've been. This is an opportunity for all of us, including myself, to kind of you know show what we got. And whether it's Teddy, Aries, Loki, all of them, uh, there's a bunch, uh, Jim Cornette, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's been a great opportunity for all of us and it's, everyone gets along. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happened, what happened with Jim and Sammy, by the way? Like I saw that peripherally. So Sammy's like gone now. Cause he like, he, he spat at Jim or something like that. Uh, no, there was other stuff. I, you know, I kind of covered it on Twitter. Um, Sammy's a very talented wrestler, uh, was an agent for us 
uh, has a lot of passion. Uh, I'm, I'm very fond of him as a wrestler and, uh, you know, I know he's going to be very successful wherever he goes next, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to go back and rehash it. Sure, you know, sure. To me, it's in the, it's in the rear view mirror and you know, I wish him the best. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you keep commenting on something, it's just going to escalate something. I, I don't want to do that for, sure. for him, for us, you know? Okay, cool. Well, let's, let's switch it up here. You know, we're talking about the tag team division here. You have a, a big marquee tag team that just uh, got added to MLW within the last uh, few months. That's the Von Ericks. What's it been like right. having the Von Ericks around? What do they add to the tag team division in the MLW product you think right now? They're different. You know, they, they look different than a lot of the guys you'll see out there. Um, they're great brawlers. They remind me a little bit of Terry Funk because if you ever saw yeah. Terry Funk punch someone, well, you know what? You're actually getting punched. Uh, these guys lay their stuff in and we work snug in MLW and they are awesome. I've really enjoyed working with them. Uh, Kevin uh, is, is someone special to MLW. Um, both of us sharing in a way the same mentor and Gary Hart who was like an uncle to them. Kevin would call, I didn't know was Kevin called Gary Hart, his uncle. I would call him, you know, Gar- Uncle Gary too. So there's a lot huh. of this weird accidental, by co- coincidence, uh, connective tissue to us. And uh, there's something special about that. And uh, for me to have an opportunity to work with Ross and Marshall and now Kevin soon, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed it. They're great kids and um, there's something different. And that's the thing about MLW. I like presenting variety uh, and they're different from any other tag team I have out there. They are, you know, the old kind of like Steve Austin style brawlers, that kind of brawler, not the hardcore wild, crazy thumbtack stuff, which we also have in a crazy guy like Southern psychopath, Mance Warner. They're more of this ass kicking uh, Southern brawler. Uh, type tag team and I, and, it, and it works great and I think there's a lot of opportunity for them as singles guys Ross is really good he's a background in jiu-jitsu really good on the mat and Marshall the younger brother the taller one uh he, he's incredible I mean he's an incredible athlete it's 6-3 and then change and does a moonsault it's he did it in New York he did it in Chicago it's like wow it really there's a, it puts a punctuation on the matches yeah, and I mean, how how do you feel they're dealing with that pressure? I mean, it's not just the pressure of being like a legacy, but also the pressure of like succeeding in a way uh, where you know you can bring some glory, I guess, back to the Von Erich name, especially in the wake of that very dark dark side of the ring episode that recapping all of the the horrors that the Von Erich family has been through. Yeah, we, we started talking with them in January or December of this year, and we closed a deal just before that special aired. And I didn't even know about the special, and then oh, everyone thought we signed them really? on the flip side of that. Oh. Yeah, we signed the, they were signed. We just we were just keeping it quiet until we were ready to pull the trigger because we, we were focused on our April shows in, in New York and then we were gonna move them in, having some fresh talent come in as a new wave of talent. And uh watching that special on Viceland, uh it's a very emotional, powerful, it's my favorite and also the hardest to watch episode for me. Uh you see what Kevin's endured, what the family's endured, and then you see him at peace in Hawaii. And he's with his children, and he can tell it's very genuine. And getting to know Kevin a bit more, yeah, he really is at peace, and, and his kids are kind of his salvation. His family is. And when you watch the end of that Vice Land special, and you see him walking up the waterfall with his kids, and they're wrestling, and the joy he has, it's like this really unique feeling, this wave of, of, of hope comes over you. And, and it really does feel like these guys are a new hope for Kevin. For, for Dallas wrestling, for Texas wrestling, for the family's legacy. 
and and having gotten to know them, you know, they're they're not trying to replicate what once was. They're they're now paving a new path for for them and their future. And they they that's a lot to have on your shoulders, and they've done a brilliant job at at, at handling that pressure. They really have. They're great kids. Now you mentioned getting to work with Kevin here uh, coming up. Uh, do you think we'll see Kevin Von Erich in the corner of Ross and Marshall when MLW debuts in Dallas? I think I think the legend will once again. Uh, return and uh, when and where we'll see. Uh, but I'm very excited to see. He's kind of, I guess, our version of Luke Skywalker. He's been living far away on an island and a bit of a recluse. And now maybe he'll come back and uh, show his magic to the world once again. We'll see. Any chance of getting Brett in the Hart Foundation corner? I mean, he owes <laughs> he owes da- he owes Davey one. He, he really owes, does. He owes Davey one. 100. <laughs> percent that was one of those wild things. I guess it was Davey was in the right place at the right time, and maybe it was better for him to be there than at the New Japan <laughs> show because I I would I don't know who would want to mess with Brett, but if you mess with Brett, you're messing with the hearts, and uh, you're messing with Davey Boy, and Davey Boy ain't afraid. I mean, he has a legit background, uh, just a great grappler doing catch wrestling and learning some of, under some of the greats, Josh Barnett too. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, Brett does owe him something, but in all seriousness, yeah, doors open. Would love to always work with Brett. Brett is, um, has a very busy schedule, even though he's retired. So uh, it's something I would love to do. Uh, will it happen? I guess you got to wait and see. Okay. Uh, well, what what led to the decision to flip the tag titles uh, off of uh, the the Heart Foundation, the New Heart Foundation, onto the Dynasty? Uh, all that also went down in Chicago. Yeah, you know, just it was the right time time to get some heat and uh, build up the Dynasty at that point in time. Uh, it was just one of those things that was by design felt like, you know, to extend the story, which has been going on this feud since February, you got to find different ways to, to get to the next point and, and keep things hot. And, and that was what we did. And in one of those guys, I think that people are sleeping on is Richard holiday. You know, he's, if you look at him and how he's come along since February on the mic, uh, in the ring, how he looks physically. I mean, he's continued to level up and he's a hell of a star. In fact, backstage at, uh, our show New York, his trainer, Paul Roma, was there just to watch his match. And I'll tell you, I was surprised. Paul Roma looked in pretty damn good shape, too, for his age. And uh, he was the first student of Paul Roma's school, I guess, out in Connecticut. And I'd seen some footage of, of Holiday about uh, maybe a year and a half ago. I said, this kid's got good size. He's like 6'3", and he was starting to tone up, uh, and his work was good. And I was like, man, no, everyone's sleeping on him. And again, it's like a guy was undiscovered. It was a money ball move. We brought in Holiday, and I that guy has endless potential. Uh, I think he's going to have a very bright future. So uh, this was a great moment for him and for MJF. Those two have incredible chemistry together as a tag team. So uh, it was just the right time and uh, it was something we've been plotting and it was the right like, uh, the right place, the right time kind of thing that's been uh, in the works for a while. Okay. And yeah, let me ask you about MJF. I was a little surprised mm-hmm. to see him win gold here. Because I guess, you know, like all the other, you know, AEW talent here, a lot of them transitioning full-time in October. Is that going to be the case with MJF, or is he going to be able to continue working with MLW through the October debut for AEW? Yeah, there's this misnomer that uh, it's like Cinderella at midnight and that things are just going to magically change uh, when they go on TV. That's not the case. We have pre-existing contracts. The guys are with us for the duration of their contracts, and at that point, um, you know, we'll have a conversation and if it makes sense, we'll continue to work with them. If not, uh, then you go to your own your separate ways and a spot opens up for us and, and, and fans get to see them elsewhere. 
Um, but yeah, there, that's not, that's not like going to happen mad radically overnight where it's just on a, a, Okay. October X, they're going to be only on that show. So they have pre-existing contracts with us. How has it been working with AEW to to balance that? You know, I get him these days, you get him those days, kind of deal. I I can't say anything negative about AEW. Um, all of my conversations with uh, with those guys have been been great. Um, you know, I know I think it's probably the the usual thing in, in pro wrestling is the promoter to start. You know drama and, and start, you know, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's go to war, that kind of stuff. They've been, they've been very easy going to work with. Um, I've been in this business long enough to know that, you know, it's easier and in everyone's best interest to find ways to work out things than to flex. And then it's all ego driven. And then it just escalates things. And usually it's a negative outcome. Uh, I, I try to approach things a little bit more holistically, pragmatically to try to find a solution where everyone can win. Um, it doesn't make for the sexiest headlines when that happens, but uh, I think everyone ends up in, in a better place because of it. So I, I really, I can't say anything negative. Uh, we have open line of communication with them. Uh, Cody's been great. Tony's been great. Can't say anything bad. Okay. Uh, you know, I wanted to last, I guess, kind of ask you here about, you know, Moxley, when he put out that jailbreak promo video before he came to AEW, did you make a play for him? Mm -hmm. Did you try to bring Moxley into the mix? Uh, love Moxley. Uh, we did not have any conversations. Okay. Um, and I got to ask you then, too, as a former creative member, when he did that interview with Jericho, what did you think of all the comments he made about his frustrations with the current structure there? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I think a lot of people, when they go through the system at a certain point, you know, it's like, is it gelling for them? Is it, is it working? And if it's not, uh, it can be very frustrating. You know, when you're a talent, um, you want to have that creative freedom. Uh, especially in his position, you know, he really was passionate about how he was being presented. And uh, I think you're going to experience that in any company. And in some companies, people say, oh, my God, I've never had it better. Uh, it's, it's just the one-to-one -one experience. At WWE, um, you know, there's certainly guys that are advocating saying it's the best place in the world. And then you're going to have people that say, oh, my God, I feel like I was uh, liberated leaving there. Um you know, it, I just think that just comes with the territory. You know, it, it's uh, WWE when I was there is so different than what it is today in every level from the creative process to uh, just how they produce it. How, the, the infrastructure during a TV taping, it's like a, a media village just sets up in the arena where before we had a bunch of cameras just running around shooting stuff and it wasn't that sophisticated. Uh, and that was only, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, it's, it's radically changed. So I, I can't even use my own experience other than, you know, I know the creative team today for the, the majority of the creative team doesn't have access directly to Vince unless you're at TV. And even then it's a little different. So there's layers there that weren't there when I was there. And I don't know if that's true with the talent, uh, or if they have uh, unlimited access to Vince, so, so access to Vince, but that obviously, you know, if you have those kind of walls up, it's going to be frustrating. I don't know how a creative team could work without, direct access and collaborating with the chairman because he micromanages creative. He gives the big picture and he, he wants to be focused. So, you know, if you're, you're, you're presenting a product and then, you know, Dave shows the first time you get to have FaceTime with him and try to collaborate and figure this out. Yeah. I would imagine it's probably a challenging proposition, but again, I'm not there, so I don't know. Well, cool, Court. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I always love when MLW rolls through Chicago. I know you guys will be back here November 2nd with your first ever pay-per-view 
Uh, Saturday yep. night, Saturday night super fight. I feel honored. I mean, say it. Is Chicago the new home of pro wrestling in the United States? Are we top city now? I think for us, I mean, we shattered all box office records, our merchandise records, our attendance records, um, even our viewership records are all based in Chicago. So for us, uh, we love going to Chicago, and that's why we want to reward Chicago with the first pay-per-view. It was a big deal to us. And actually, before you, we got on this call, I was looking at the first pay-per-view commercial that we're going to be sending out to the pay-per-view companies and working on our streaming deal. So uh, after, uh, at least it's appropriate conversation for the moment. Good. Wonderful. Well, there it is. Yes, I am correct. Chicago is top. I agree. We are the best. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes. it's, it's up there. Thank you. Court, anything in particular you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? Now check us out on MLW Fusion on BN Sports this week at 9 p.m. We're also on YouTube each and every week, Monday night, 7 p.m. We start with a new show. You can stream anytime, anywhere for free worldwide. We're on in the U.K. on free sports every Monday night, Tuesday night in Israel. We're also on in Africa now on Star Times, and a few other deals are pending. So stay tuned. You can also see us on Fight TV if you don't want to check us on YouTube. But the world of MLW never stops. Check us out Dallas, September 7th with the first ever War Chamber match. And it's going to be a Fusion TV taping. You don't want to miss it. Tickets are $10 at MLWTickets.com. I'm blowing up, Nick. You're going to have to tag in. All right, I'm out. We're done. Bye. Bye, Court. My guest at this time is the owner and head coach of the world-famous Monster Factory Pro Wrestling Academy. He's also been a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center recently. It's Danny Cage. Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to chat again. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing very well, Danny. Uh, now, let's get right to it here. You know, Talk to me a little bit about how this guest coaching gig at the Performance Center come about. Uh, it's been, uh, one of those things that I've always wanted to do, uh, was in talks with them, uh, a couple of years ago when, uh, when Riddle had his tryout and Nick Camarado had his tryout and, uh, things just never worked out. And, uh, once, uh, I was done with ring of honor, um, I hit up a couple of people and they put me in touch with Matt Bloom and, you know, Matt Bloom was, you know, saying, Hey, does this date, do these dates work for you? And of course. So uh came down there and it was uh it was awesome. It was uh I couldn't ask for more, but I still wanted more, you know what I mean? Like uh I, I would have loved to have stayed another week or two. It was it was a really great experience and everybody I, I, I met there was awesome. Like it wasn't just like a professional facility, but like everybody was professional there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing is you you've obviously been running the Monster Factory here for years. You have your own style of training, what most surprised you uh, about the WWE Performance Center? Uh, for here's here's what surprised me the most, and it's not to you know pat myself on the back or high five myself or anything like that, but like um, I've never been there before. I, I'd never trained there before. I never knew pretty much what they were doing there, other than they had seven rings there and people trained there. Uh, I would talk to our guys off and on about what they did and what they worked on. Um, but like, we've been training pretty much this way before the performance center really even opened. Um, we started training and uh, I started the, the way the monster factory trains like in 2012 and, uh, with multiple rings and stuff like that. And, uh, the amateur mats and utilizing the weight room and, and different, you know, training methods. And it was really cool to see, like, they had seven rings. There was multiple rings going on at once, plus people reporting for the weight room, uh, promo classes, 
you know, just top to bottom, just like millions of things going on, all these working parts and everybody doing something, nobody. And then when, when people were sitting around, it was because they were sitting around just talking wrestling and going over things and learning new stuff. That sounds awesome, man. Now so you, it, was, it was really cool. Now, now having been there and, and seen it up close, you know, what kind of a, what kind of talent do you think WWE is most interested in at the moment? Uh, I think it's really, uh, it looks like, you know, not like, here's the thing, like for years, it was WWE just wanted, you know, fresh faces. Then the thing was they wanted, you know, uh, big time athletes. Then it seemed it switched to like, we want established in the independent talent. And now I think it's like a hodgepodge of like everything right there. You know, they, they, they want the fresh faces. They want the new independent talents. Um, they want the people making noise. Uh, and then they want the people that have potential and grab them up, you know, beforehand. So, I mean, it's like, a, like I said, it's a hodgepodge of everything. Now, were you working with uh, more of the green talent or more of the established independent wrestlers? Uh, I was working with the greener talent. Okay. And because so- when, we were, when we were there, uh, keep in mind, we were there at a, at a very uh, different week than it usually is because that, that was the Raw anniversary show or the reunion show. Okay. And that was also SmackDown, and both of those were in, I think it was like uh, Tampa and Miami. Okay. So a lot of the talent from the Performance Center wasn't there. Okay. They were, you know, working at those places. And then what happened then also is, like, I think on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday loop, uh, the more established talent was then in, uh, like, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Georgia area. Okay. So none of them were around a performance center then. Okay. So this is so this is the, the, the greenest of talent, it sounds like you had at your disposal here. You know, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving the most to that very that very green talent there that's coming in and just getting to know the pro wrestling business? Uh, the best advice I always give is like too many times people want to rush it and be good overnight and it doesn't work that way because a lot of these guys, these are these guys are in the ring for the first time or, you know, for the first year or first year and a half. And most athletics, you know, that we, we do as, as adults, we've been doing since we were children. So it's not going to be an overnight process. Patience is everything. Uh, but, you know, repetition breeds habit. It's basically knowing the, the, the core, uh, the, the basic fundamentals before you can move on. Like I always tell everybody, listen, just because algebra bores you, and you're getting C's and D's in algebra doesn't mean now you're ready for, you know, trigonometry and calculus and you'll do so much better there. No, you have to learn the basics first. Yeah. That builds your foundation and then you build upon it. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm already lost. That's, that's, what I, that's what I ran into the most. I'm, I suck at math. So, like, I would I, – Yeah, so I, do I. I'm lost. I'm lost. Um, yeah. <laughs> I suck at math too. But, like, you know, like, you can't – put it this way, you know, training wheels. Yeah, you know we'll we'll get wrestlers all the time that come in like this is what I want to do this is what I want to do I was like dude you 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 haven't even got the training wheels off yet yeah I don't want to hear about the tricks that you can do yet let's just worry about riding the bicycle then we can we can worry about the tricks and how your how your bike is going to look I got you uh, who were the other who were the other coaches down there that you were getting to work with uh, well uh, it was cool because Pat Buck was there who who uh, he was also a guest coach there which is awesome because. I had been communicating with him for years and using his talent and he's been using our talent 
and we'd always talk online and have good things to say to each other and this and that. Uh, and I walked in the first day and all of a sudden he walked in he's like, Oh my God, you're here. I was like, Oh my God, look at this. And, um, it was cool to see him there, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brookside was there, uh, who's great. Uh, Norman Smiley was there. Uh, Road Dog was there. Bloom. So it, it was it was pretty cool, man. It was like, it was one of those things where you just like, you can't believe it's happening, but at the same time, like, I prepared my whole life for it without even really preparing for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's cool to hear. You know, you're working there with Bloom and Norman Smiley, who have been there for a long time there. You know, you're you're teaching these guys about pro wrestling. Was there anything that you, as a trainer, learned or picked up while you were down there working with these other guys that had been there for a long time? Uh, basically, that um, uh, not to sweat the little things. Too many times, like, I'll sweat that somebody's not showing up or sweat that somebody didn't show up to, uh, you know, uh, basically we have like, we'll do like a non-mandatory open rings and I'll sweat that people didn't show up. But like, you know, like I, I just, I think like I worry too much as opposed to putting it more on the talent. Like it's their responsibility. Fair. Good. Awesome. I'm glad you had an actual answer to that. It's hard to be critical of yourself. You know, it's hard to learn things. I'm, I'm... No, no, I, 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 I am super critical of myself. <laughs> and I tell our kids every day, like, what you see the Monster Factory as now was not the way it was in 2011. It wasn't the way in 2010. It wasn't the way it was in 2012, 13, 14, 15. Every year I'm changing stuff, making things better, improving. I just can't, and it goes for everybody, you can't stay comfortable not in pro wrestling, not in anything. You're always reinventing yourself, always being fresh, always trying to grab new ears, new eyes on your talent. Yeah. Um, now, you, you're working with this talent down there. You know, what What of these unseen developmental NXT talent uh, caught your eye? Who do you think we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I'm not going to say any names, really, um, just because I don't know if their names are going to be different, if this is, you know what I mean, if this is who they want to be known as or anything like that. Okay. Uh, I know that there was a couple that um, that I, I, I worked with on the open ring day, which was pretty cool. Um, that I uh, he was uh, picked up by Briscoe. Uh, his name is Denzel. Um, he's he's uh, man. He's got a great personality. He was an amateur wrestler. I knew right away he was a Briscoe boy because um, Briscoe, you know, does the amateur athletes and you know, stuff like that. And, uh, I, I just saw the way he was carrying himself. And like, I used to be an amateur wrestler. So like, I could kind of tell, I was like, you're a Briscoe boy, aren't you? He's like, yeah, I am. And I was like, all right, cool. So, uh, <laughs> I hit up Jerry and I was like, Jerry, I want to work with him. He's like, please do. So then like after class, I worked with him for a little bit and I just went over some different ways to, to throw amateur wrestling into the, uh, pro wrestling world. And it was, uh, just to add more to his character and stuff like that. Very cool, man. Well, uh, you, you know, you talk about your amateur wrestling background. Uh, another legit wrestler, a student of yours, Matt Riddle, uh, breaking out right now. He got one of the biggest pops tonight, I thought, at TakeOver. Uh, what do you think right now of the success that, that Riddle's having in NXT? I am loving it, and this is where, like I said, I can admit when I'm wrong. And, like, because I thought years, like, when he was training with us, that, like, not that he wouldn't make it, I thought that like he would uh, almost stand in his own way because he's so uh, out there. He's so so much a character, so independent. 
but like it works for him because like, I think that's what wrestling needs right now is somebody like him who like, we need stars and he's a star. You know what I mean? Like he's a star top to bottom. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad that he proved me wrong. And I love when people prove me wrong because it means I learned something. So now it opens my eyes to, you know, other people that want to do their own thing and, and, you know, kind of go out there. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. He was a great student. He listened and he did things, but, you know, there was times where he would, we would butt heads and we would, you know, we would come to have words and stuff like that, but it was because I cared about him. I wanted him to, to go on and do great things. And he is. Well, can you, can you give us an example of, of something that you and Matt may have, have butted heads on when he was a, a young buck being developed? Into oh, the he, he hated, he hated promos. That was it. Okay. He really hated promos. Like if we came into the school, cause he keep in mind, he's coming from the USC world, man. And he's ready to go, go, go. Uh, he wants to get in the ring and sweat. It's like having a kid in a candy store and being like, uh, don't, you can look at all the candy, just can't eat any. So like <laughs> you'd br- bring him into the gym and we were just doing promos for two hours. He'd get a little antsy. Okay. So, okay. but that was about it. I mean, everything else, he was great. Um, especially like, you know, he was always good at like communicating and, and, uh, and basically like touching base with like what he was doing. And especially when he started doing more things with evolve, I was like, dude, just go do your thing, man. Like there's no real reason for you to come in here anymore, but come in every once in a while. And he would him and in punishment were good friends. So, or Damien priest. Yeah. And uh, they would, they would always hang out and, and, you know, work out there. So it was fun, man. Yeah. Well, uh, he obviously seems to have found a promo style. Uh, I know that he, yeah, man, it's his, he, like the thing, the thing that gets me, like, okay. Like, it's so weird. Like everything he does is like, a, uh, it's so odd because like, he's a legit ass kicker. Right. Um, everybody knows that, but like his pro, like they always say like your promo should fit the way you wrestle. Like Stone Cold cuts a promo like he wrestles. Okay. You know, Shawn Michael cuts a promo like he wrestles. Riddle does not. Riddle is not laid back in the ring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Riddle is a badass in the ring and he can go and his, his engine can just stay at like a thousand RPMs and it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's not really laid back in the ring, but like as soon as like he flips off those flip flops, like then, then he's not that guy anymore. That's very unique. And, uh, yeah, man, the, the promos he cut last week on social media, uh, or the promo, I guess, on Goldberg Jericho. Oh, my God. And, and he threw a little shade at fellow, uh, you know, Coach Lance Storm there about how he obviously didn't fall asleep through your classes. Um, what did you think about what you think? What do you think about him saying these things to these guys that are you know, I, legends in the business? Like I said, like I said, like, in my mind, put it this way, if it was three or four years ago, I would say you just signed your own death certificate. You're never getting used. It's over, bro. Like it's done. Yeah. But since he has proven that he can say and do these things and he backs it up and he's ready to, whether it be on the street or in the ring, how can you fault him for that? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. No. <laughs> Cause like the guys he's popping off to are the guys that would have been popping off to people when they were his age. You know what I mean? Like if they were his age, they'd be popping off to the other people. Yeah. You- so I mean, like it's generating pub. It's all good, man. Like I, you know, I was salivated at the chance to like, you know, to 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 book stuff like that and to see where this could go because it's we're getting to a thing where you don't have to keep your mouth shut about other places. 
Damn. You know, we, we don't have to pretend that nobody else exists but WWE. And, I, and is it just me or is it only – that's really only happened in, like, the past couple months. You know, I'm not talking – Yes, yes. Right? You know, I co- yeah. I've been covering the business full-time for a couple of years now, and it's really only been, I feel like, in the last three, four months that the tides have changed in that way. It's very weird, you know? Yeah, I, I love it, and I think it's it's welcome because, like, it's saying to the fans, listen, we're not going to treat you like idiots anymore. Yeah, you, 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 we're, we're, we, we got you. We're not going to give you everything you want because if we give you everything you want, then you know you, you'll get spoiled, and when you get spoiled, you're just going to walk away and find something else. Um, so we have to kind of keep you on that on that short leash with things that we're going to give you and tease it here and there, and every once in a while I'll give a payoff, and then you'll be back. Um, so I'm loving it, man. Like <laughs> I like the, that that uh, watch along. Yeah, I watched the pay per view, you know, off and on because I was busy. I just got back from uh, being in Utah coaching and then, you know, I'm watching that. And then I see Matt Hardy tweeting about he's watching Riddle do watch along because it's Goldberg's match. And then I had to pull it up on YouTube later that night to watch it. It was hilarious. Yeah. No, I mean, look, yeah. And especially that they had a a legit altercation is even better. Yeah. I'm not your bro, Riddle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's the way he talks. How do you you not do like Riddle? Go ahead. Go ahead. Riddle, that's just Riddle. Like, we would literally yell and scream at each other. And then he'd be like, you know what? I'm so glad we had this talk. Like, <laughs> now I understand. How do you not? We should have more of these talks. <laughs> How do you? Uh... And that's just the way it is. You can't be mad at it. You can't stay mad at the kid. This is good. That's a good Riddle impression. How do, you, uh, how, do you, how do you not do Riddle versus Goldberg at this moment in time, right? I feel like... <sighs> Right, I mean, it, it it only makes sense, uh, or at least do something where it's like Riddle Goldberg and somebody else. I mean, yeah, how can you not? I mean, if the, I mean, Jericho did 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 a similar thing with you know uh, Roddy Piper, Rick Steamboat, and them. Why not do something with Riddle, uh, Goldberg, uh, Lance Storm, Booker T? That'd be fun to watch. It would be. It would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, you, we, we talk about, you know, how right now you're allowed to talk about the other promotions, and everything, obviously AEW's on the horizon here. Everybody's ampli- amplifications are getting turned up at this moment. Do you feel like there's more pressure on performance center talent right now due to the current really super hyper vibrant time in pro wrestling? Um, I, yeah, but I think it's good. I think the pressure, like put it this way, athletes and good athletes, uh, persevere and actually do way 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 better under pressure if you can't perform under pressure like this isn't for you like pro wrestling is is you know pressure 101 i mean everything about it is pressure 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 so i think like right now this is perfect for wwe i'm perfect for AEW and everybody else even around wrestling because like it's either put up or get out you know it's uh you know, there's there's going to be so much talent out there hungry to, to prove a point and to outdo each other. And I think it's missed in wrestling. And for anybody to, to hope for WWE to fail or for AEW to fail doesn't understand uh, the business of pro wrestling and how, like, all this will lift everybody up, even the independents. Yeah. You know, with AEW, have you, you know, this was obviously a guest coaching role at WWE. Have you talked to them at all? Obviously, I know they're filling their ranks with uh, coaches at the moment uh, as well. No, one of my buddy works there, uh, QT Marshall. He he he's he works there, uh, so we talk. Um, 
but you know, we'll see. I mean, we, I, I didn't like hit them up and say like, Hey, I want a job or anything. Sure. And I didn't see what they got going on, but like, I know they got a lot of things going on right now. And I don't think coaching and stuff like that is paramount to the, to their list of things to fill. Okay. I think they're, they're more probably focusing on uh, TV uh, production stuff. You know, and I think they have enough agents to even handle, so I don't think I would be uh, a benefit there. Okay. Because I know they have a, a bunch of production guys there, but who knows down the road? It, it, you know, you never know. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I'm, like, still kind of confused on what happened here. So can you tell me about how the Monster Factory ROH relationship came together, and then how did it fall apart? What happened here? It was, uh, I mean, it came together because uh, – they, our guys were always over there, and I was just like, you know, at the time, uh, QT Marshall was wrestling there. I think it was like 2012 or so. So I just started going over to the camps, uh, and I, I became friends with Kevin Kelly. Uh, and then Ian Riccoboni uh, met Kevin Kelly, and then he got a job there. And then LSG and Shaheen got a job there. And uh, I would, you know, like whenever I had camps, I would always go over and help out with the camps. And for the first couple of camps, you know, my name didn't even get introduced. It was like I just, like, stood there from, you know, 9 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. But I understood because, you know, who the hell was I? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's I always say that, you know. Like, I don't care if I own the biggest wrestling school in the world or whatever and how many people we got under contract. It's pretty much you should always be trying to prove yourself. Um, so I just, you know, would just put my head down and keep working and help people out when I could. And then it became – Hey, we got Danny Cage here. Then it was, uh, I got the guest coach there um, at, at their camp. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Kelly had contacted me with uh, ROH, like in right before he went to New Japan, and pretty much was letting me know that, like, everything was going to be mine, like with the ROH dojo. They offered me uh, the, the first words out of the mouth when they, when they called me uh, was, uh, so do you like the monster factory or are we buying you a whole new building for the dojo? Wow. So I was like, uh, well, that's flattering and all, but you know, and then I calmed the talks down because I got, had to tell them where I was coming from with everything, um, which I won't get into, but if I'm going to do business, I got to know what's going on and how it's going to do and how it's going to affect my business itself because someone could sign me to a contract um, and tell me everything's going to be great. And then I wind up changing the monster factory to the dojo. And then they say, you know what, you're done. And then I have no more monster factory. Um, nothing like that was going on. It's just that, uh, Kevin Kelly wind up moving it over to new Japan and parting ways with ring of honor. So talks went away. Then they opened up the ROH dojo in Baltimore and we were going to be an affiliated school. And, you know, uh, I started going down there to help out. And I gave him a proposal of ideas for future of honor and the training and they hired me and it was just a big communication problem there. Um, that's all it was. It was like creative differences and nobody on the same page. And I wasn't ready to have it impact me and they weren't ready to have it impact them. So we just like, basically were like, all right, let's part ways. It's no harm, no foul. Goodbye. Interesting. Well, that happens. It's wrestling, right? You get into it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, put this way, man. It doesn't bother me either way. Like, like did did I? 
did I lose some money? Yeah, because I could be I could have just did whatever and been collecting a paycheck, but my reputation, my school, my everything is on the line and I have to do things the way I know the way to do them. It would be like um I've run a, a, a successful wrestling school, the most successful wrestling school in the world for the last I don't know, eight or nine years. Um, so it'd be like having somebody want you to run a restaurant, but then having the bartenders run it instead who'd never ran a restaurant. So it was just like, I got lost in that. I was like, I don't understand this. Like every day there was just stuff that was missing and not being done and nobody being accountable for it. And it was just like, you know, this is just going to be a headache and let's just part ways. Where do you where do you see ROH right now in the pro wrestling landscape? They're they're kind of they keep saying they're in a rebuilding phase. What does that mean? You know? Yeah, I, that's the thing. I don't know. Um, things have been weird there lately. Like it, it's not like it was like when I was there before. And and a lot of people tell you that. I have tons of friends there, tons of friends there, and I wanted to do nothing but good. Um, but I I don't know what to make of it. Like I can't. And I'm too on. I'm honest to a fault. I could easily sit here and be like, "Oh, it's going to be great," and everyone go, "Oh yeah," but like I don't know what it's doing right now. I don't know which way they're going. I don't know which direction they're going. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm hearing things with fans and stuff like this and altercations, and it's like, how does this happen? Like this. You're talking about what the is your take on it? Uh, well, I, well, I, I was going to say first of all, you're talking about. I'm, I'm guessing the Bully Ray fan incident, right? Is what you were? Yeah, like to. that, that, and just like it, it, it. I don't understand it. Like how something like that happens. Well, my 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 biggest take on on the whatever rebuilding for you know it's it's twofold, right? Like you know, I've said over and over again. I thought to bring in all the talent they did after the elite left and making them one big stable where it all kind of melded together. I don't know that that did anybody any favors necessarily, especially when you have Bandito and Roosh and all these other big names coming in that, that could probably use some packaging. Um, but then at the same time here, it's like, well, if they pull the Civil War card and all of a sudden these guys go at each other's throats, you can repackage it. I, I see how you get back on the tracks. I just don't know if that's I don't know if that's the direction they're going. Like you said, you know, we're, we don't really know what their, their next game plan is. I was asking you more because you've worked with them closely here right now. I didn't know if you had any inside baseball on what you thought. No, I haven't. I haven't uh, had any contact with them since, uh, like, uh, let me see, maybe May, uh, you know, because, like, we we finished up. Like, I I was done coaching there in March, um, but I told them since they advertised the show, I'd like them to still have the show here in April. I let somebody else produce the show, put it together, even though like when I was there, like what was put in my hands was, Hey, you're going to write, produce, you know, put together all the future of honor stuff, package it your way, do all the bookings, everything like that. And then I did like, you know, four or five shows. And then the last show was the last straw in March when the night before the show, uh, it was a taping for four shows and, 11 out of the 13 matches were changed wow. and not just outcomes. I mean, different people in them. Wow. So hmm. that's what I was just like, yeah, I think we're done here. Um, and I think they decided that as well. 
Yeah. Uh, even though like I got nothing but great feedback on like how the shows went and the tapings and the storytelling and everything. Sure. So like since then I haven't talked to him at all. Uh, if it was, it was like just to talk interest because there was even talks of possibly bringing me back, but like that's done. Like uh, that door's closed huh. pretty much for good. Huh. And there's a lot of people that say like that in wrestling, but like I'm pretty uh, pretty much a man of my word with certain things. So I think that door's closed for good. Well, uh, well, never say never, right? I'll, I'll, I'll give no, you. No, I mean yeah, the something's changed, but it, yeah. it would need something would need to change. Is is my point? Okay. Uh, well, and I don't and I don't see it changing. Well, we'll, we'll shut it down. We'll shut the interview down here with uh, something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, you had the chance to train uh, super fan Izzy at uh, uh, one of your camps recently. Uh, you know what? What do you what do you think about Izzy's ambitions? You know, there's a lot of critics out there that say maybe too young to get into wrestling right now. Uh, what's your response to all that? I love it. Uh, I, I wish that more people would be like her and her parents. Um, because then you'd have people prepared for pro wrestling and not being thrown into the mix when they're 19, 20 years old uh, and, you know, uh, hell-bent to, to prove everybody uh, wrong that you can do this, this, and this. Like, she's getting the discipline uh, of pro wrestling, and she's understanding. Like, we did a, a full-week camp, and the only bumping they did was, like, on a crash pad. Yeah. You know, they they bumped our kids around. They gave our kids hip tosses and arm drags and headlock takeovers, uh, but they didn't bump at all on, on our mats. It was all just on crash pad stuff. Huh. And, and if you look at the way amateur wrestling is and pro football or, uh, and football, like Pop Warner and all that, and even baseball, soccer, you have to start them early. You're not going to have them doing all the stuff that adults do, but you can do it and let the kids be kids. Yeah. And make sure they're supervised and make sure it's done the proper way. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time and, and I have kids myself and, you know, for people to, to say stupid things just because they're not doing it, it's asinine. I think that's like one of the biggest problems with pro wrestling now is love. I love the people that love to criticize the fans and all, but most of the time it's the wrestlers or the people in the business, the quote unquote vets are, that are the biggest issues because they pop off about stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I would never think that uh, somebody who had watching pop Warner football and seeing a kid tackle somebody and like having like somebody like Brett Favre tweet about it and say, I hope someone's showing them how to do this properly before they get hurt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but that's what you deal with in pro wrestling. People just go off the track because they know nothing about things like this. Yeah. Cool. Dude. Uh, I, I'm a coach. I'm a coach before I'm anything like, uh, like I'm a coach. Like I worry about these kids. Like I, I worry like an amateur wrestling coach worries about their kids. I will message our kids. I'll take a phone call with kids. It's this mentality that we're just here to coach them to wrestle is stupid because so much more goes into wrestling than just wrestling. And that's what I think it's great about getting these kids in early. Yeah, man, Danny. Uh, I just realized it took you about ten minutes longer than uh, than I told you I would. But uh, this was a great chat, man. We got to get back together and talk again here in a couple months uh, about what you're up to and everything. It's such an interesting time for you. You know, I was so happy and you know quasi surprised to see you pop up at the performance center because I knew you were just kind of finishing up with all the ROH stuff. 
But it sounds like it's, you know, like everything with you, it's off into the next adventure, my friend. Is there anything you want to yeah, plug, promote? Yeah, the way you got to take life, man. You never know where it's going to take you, bro. Yeah, anything you want to uh, plug, promote, put over here before we uh, wrap it up today? Uh, just uh, hit me up, uh, you know, check out our stuff at monsterfactory.org and our, you know, our social media, the number four, Monster Factory, me, the Danny Cage. Uh, take a look at everything. Uh, you know, we have camps that are always coming up. We got a camp coming up September. We're running deals on tuition and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a pro- professional wrestling school top to bottom. We handle it all, not just uh, in ring, but outside the ring. That's why our guys who go to the Performance Center are always more prepared than anybody else. Thank you very much to Court and Danny for the time. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. And thank you all out there for tuning in and giving this show a listen. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be back with our last Winkly of the week. And I got two more big interviews for you. Uh, Tomorrow on the show you're going to be hearing from former Impact Wrestling superstar, the guy who is now the point man for WrestlePro. It is KM. Kevin Matthews will be here. And former WWE superstar, you may know him from EC. You may know him also from ECW, but you may also know him as a big man who didn't mind wearing a dress. And that is Big Vito will be here tomorrow on the Winkly as well. KM, Big Vito, in your ear holes here on the Winkly tomorrow. And, of course, if you're listening to this show, you love Wrestling Inc., uh, come to Wrestling Inc. this Friday night. Or this, I'm sorry, not this Friday night. This Sunday night for our live coverage of Ring of Honor's Honor for All. That show's going to feature the Rock and Roll Express battling the Briscoes for the ROH World Tag Team Championships 2019. What a time. Uh, and if you also like the audio you're hearing right now and you want to support Wrestling Inc. and in our in our podcast platform, go over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Give us a nice five-star rating. Give us a comment. Tell a friend to do the same. Tell a friend to tune on in. This is the place to be for your punditry and your pro wrestling parties here in the podcast sphere. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up today? Give me the follow at Justin Labar on uh, all the social media platforms. And I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember... If you winked, you didn't miss it. Tweet.